Hello. <clears throat> Hi, this is Trent, and I am part of No Walls Worship, and you're listening to me, and that's a fun and cool thing. Uh, it is Saturday night. It is May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. I don't know if you're having a margarita or a corona or how you're celebrating, but I am freshly showered after a long day on the softball field and ready for service tomorrow. We've been off for two straight Sundays, and it's, you know, two Sundays means three weeks in between, so we've not had a no-wall service in three weeks, and that happens occasionally. It happens when there's three Sundays in a month, and, uh, excuse me, five, five Sundays in a month, and um, it, it always feels like a little bit too long. It's always strange to do every other week, but um, two weeks off feels too long uh, to have this thing in my life. So I'm eager for tomorrow. I'm really eager for the message. I'm really eager to share it with you here on the podcast too. Um, somebody was asking me just the other day, uh, not the other day, a couple, I think it was actually around the Easter service. They said, what are the what do you love most about doing no walls? And I had to think about it a minute because I wanted to give a good answer, a thoughtful answer. And two, two main things. Um, let me give you the second one first and the first one second. Um, the second thing I think I really, really love about doing no walls is changing people's perceptions of what it means to be in a church community, a Christian community, a believer community. And um, it, that illust was illustrated for me. Uh, there was a, a guy that's been on the periphery of our uh, No Wall service, and I ran into one of his friends, and his friend said to me, he said, man, I just my buddy keeps just talking about y'all. He keeps talking about No Walls and how cool y'all are and and he said, you got to know my friend. You got to know he doesn't like religious people at all, but he, he really digs what y'all are doing. And uh, his friend said, he, he keeps he keeps saying, man, those those Christians are effing awesome. But of course, he <laughs> of course, he didn't say effing. He, he, he used the actual F word. Uh, and I love that. We've been joking. We want to put that on T-shirts. Uh, these, these Christians are blanking awesome. I hope that doesn't offend you. Um, I think it's great. Um, the first thing, which is the second thing I'll share, is the relationship with the Kent family. Um, John and I are brothers, and I've loved getting to know Abra and Zai and Ryland and Reed and Chaz, the, the whole family. They're just really special people. And um, if you're listening to this, I would just ask that either you pause now or when you're done, just would you, would you just have the Kent family in your prayers. I don't, I don't have a specific prayer request. I just, um, I love them and I know you love them too. And I don't get, you don't get to see them or hear from them uh, on this podcast. And I would just ask that you pray for the family, um, pray for them like everyone needs prayer. Um, that would mean a lot to me and I know it would mean a lot to them. Um, so it's May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, like I said, and we've got service tomorrow, May 6th, at Crystal Creek Distillery. And we're going to be at Crystal Creek Distillery for both services in May, the first Sunday in May, tomorrow, and then the third Sunday in May, which is May 20th. 
So we'll be over there at the distillery at 11 a.m. Uh, when you're hearing this, the one on the 6th will be passed, um, and I think it's going to be a good time. I'd also, I'm, I'm thinking about the ladies who run the Maker's Market. Um, Chris uh, Shellstad is the, the main gal who runs it, and then her friend, Mary, um, they run it together. Um, I just would ask that you pray for them, too. Um, they've been very, very kind to us. Um, they've got an attitude of service and an attitude of community, and I just, I just enjoy both those ladies a whole lot, and they've been good to no walls. So will you, will you lift them up and pray for them? Maybe pause now and pray, uh, or, or maybe after. Uh, I'm going to get into the message and get right to it. I'm going to read um, from one of my favorite passages, but the title of this one, um, I don't always geek out on the titles. I, I like titling the messages, uh, but this one I'm kind of geeking out about. Um, the title of this message is called, It's Hard to Tell a Good Superman Story. It's hard to tell a good Superman story. All right, here we go. It's, um, it's hard to tell a good Superman story. Have y'all seen any of these Superman movies they've made over the last couple of years? Uh, if you have, you know that they aren't very good. It's not that they're terrible, but none of them are great. None of them are really good. And y'all, I, I don't blame DC Comics, and I don't blame the actors, and I don't blame the directors, and... I certainly don't blame the movie studios. It's just, it's just hard to tell a good Superman story. But I do, I do love Superman. I mean, especially as a kid, as a child, I loved Superman. I had this toy uh, called Color Forms, and I've asked people about this. I don't know that many folks know Color Forms, um, but if you can picture it with me, they were <clears throat> these these vinyl stickers vinyl stickers and and they came in this little cardboard you know rectangle cardboard box that had inside a slick surface uh, uh, stick non-sticks well sticky non-stick <laughs> a slick surface that was a cityscape it was a scene of a city so that you could stick and unstick the little vinyl characters over and over and over and over and over again and make new scenes and new stories and anytime I was downtime the back row at church the car seat you know i was playing with these stickers my color forms my superman color forms and my favorite thing about the superman color forms is that in the city scene it had a telephone booth with this little cardboard door that opened up and you could put mild-mannered clark kent inside with his nerdy glasses and his daily planet press credentials and you could close that door and then it had this little wheel you could spin, and then you could open the telephone booth back up, and there would be a sticker of Superman, another sticker there, magically. And he'd have his arms at his side in that Superman pose with chest out. I loved that toy. But as much practice as I got telling Superman stories with my vinyl stickers... <laughs> Um, I think it's hard to tell a good Superman story. And I think it's hard because Superman always wins. Bullets bounce off his chest. 
He can shoot lasers out of his eyes, blow cold air to put out a fire. He can stop a speeding train. He can bend steel with his bare hands. And y'all know Superman always gets the girl. I mean, Superman gets the girl that everybody wants. And and did I mention that he can fly? (laughs) Superman is perfect. He's, he's godlike. It's, I think it's hard to tell a good Superman story. But I believe it's easier, I think it's easier to tell a good Batman story. You see, Batman is grittier. Batman is flawed. He, he doesn't have the advantages that Superman does. Yes, Batman or Bruce Wayne, he's incredibly wealthy. But Batman uses his intellect. He uses reason, science, hard work to beat the bad guy. And in many of the Batman stories, there's parts where Batman gets hurt. Batman gets captured. He struggles. He sometimes even loses the fight. And yeah, you may argue with me that yes, Superman has his kryptonite, so he does have a vulnerability, but even his vulnerability is a fantasy. It's a material from an alien planet. Hmm. You see, in the Batman stories, you see him as a conflicted man. He, he wrestles with good and evil. Superman is always 100% good, right? There's no darkness. Batman is the dark knight. Batman has this guiding principle of not wanting to kill, but you know he struggles with it, and you see in certain scenes where he struggles with it. He wants to just end the Joker once and for all. And and Batman's been through pain. Batman saw his parents get killed as a boy, and it's that internal conflict of watching his parents be shot on the streets of Gotham That's the conflict, that's the source of his passion and his drive for fighting crime. Superman lost his parents too, but he lost them as a baby and then he was raised by the Kents. (laughs) I, I (laughs) I honestly just made that connection, the Kents, John Kent, Abra Kent, Ryan's Eye Kent, um, anyone. But he was raised by the Kents, the perfect mom, the perfect dad on an idyllic Kansas farm. Batman, Bruce Wayne, grew up an orphan. He was raised by the butler. Batman's pain is real. It's tangible. When I watch a Superman story, I think, that's cool. I I love watching what he does. It is super cool. It is super cool, but I can't see myself in the story. When I watch a Batman story, on the other hand, I think... If only I had a utility belt. (laughs) Batman is human. I set this all up to say there are parts of the Jesus story that I, if, if I was the one writing it, I probably would leave some parts out. Um, If... If Jesus is God, then I don't know that I would show the part where he's weeping in the garden. 
if Jesus is the hero of the story, I don't know that I, if I was the author, I'd write the part where he's so exhausted from teaching that he needs to sneak away by himself into the mountains to get a moment, just a, a, a second to recharge. I don't know that I'd write the part or show him in the desert. Um, I don't know that I'd show him being tempted, struggling with ego, wrestling with greed, fighting for his basic survival needs of food and water. I don't think I'd show that part. I know I wouldn't show the parts or write the parts where he's being spit on and whipped. I don't know that I'd write that into the story. And I know that I wouldn't write into the story that everyone, everyone who believed in this man, who in the past tense believed in this man, everybody who loved him, they ran away. They rejected him. They pretended when it really mattered that they didn't know him. If I was writing a story about God and a new covenant, if I was writing the story of Jesus, of a hero to follow, I don't know that I'd write the story of a hero that dies. I don't think I'd write a Batman story, <laughs> a flawed human story. I'd probably write, if I was in charge, I might try to write a Superman story. But here's what I know. And I want you to hear this. There is... Something in this, there is something in the Jesus story, something intuitive, something that just exists deeply in us, it lives in our bones, that we understand. We can recognize ourselves in the Jesus story. We recognize the struggle. We recognize the pain. We see his wounds. We think about our own wounds. And we know, and again, I'm not talking about an intellectual understanding. We know and we recognize the truth that it's, it's here, it's in our struggle, it's in our wounds, it's in Jesus's wounds. It was in his struggle that's, that's the place where strength comes from. This is where our strength comes from. I want to read you this story. Um, it's a story of Thomas. And it's Thomas seeing Jesus again after Jesus' death, after the resurrection. And this is John, John chapter 20, and just a few verses. This is going to be 24 through 29. Verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus first came. The others had told him, you know, we have seen the Lord, and they were excited. But Thomas replied, I can't believe it unless I see the nail wounds myself. I want to be able to put my fingers into them 
And I want to be able to place my hands on the wound in his side. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as was done before, Jesus was standing in the middle of them. Red words, Jesus says, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand under the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe! Exclamation point. Verse 28, Thomas exclaims, My Lord and my God! Exclamation. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Now, there's a, there's like, there's a traditional teaching of this story that looks down on Thomas. Um, this last line about blessed are those that believe without seeing. That line has a way of putting down Thomas. And, and y'all, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're supposed to look down on Thomas. I mean, part of me thinks, of course, <laughs> blessed, blessed are those who can believe without seeing. There are those of us that see how the struggle was for the good in hindsight, and there are those of us that really struggle to see during the struggle, and we can only see it later. And mm, I want I want to be that guy. I want to be one of those ones that believes without seeing the proof in the pudding. But even but even if that's what it is, what I mainly see in this passage is this tender and heart wrenching moment. Here's what I want you to do. I I want you to imagine Thomas with me. I want you just to simply imagine a man that has lost his friend. Just that simple. A friend, a brother, a man who has lost his deepest, closest friend. And we don't, we don't know a lot about Thomas from the Bible, um, but we do have these portraits of him. Um, we have this portrait of Thomas as being a warrior. I see more of a warrior than a doubter. Um, I don't know if you know any warriors yourself. But he was worried about Jesus being killed. He had expressed it a few times. He had expressed worry at the Last Supper, knowing Jesus was going away, but not knowing if the disciples were going to be able to carry on without him. And I want you to imagine a heartbroken Thomas, uh, Thomas who knew, worried that this was going to happen. And he's struggling. He's struggling that his friend is gone. And I want you to see that Jesus comes back, almost as if just for him. And I want you to see this intimate moment. Jesus asked Thomas to see and touch the scars on his hands, which if you've read anything about Roman crucifixions, these, these scars, these puncture wounds, 
wouldn't have been like in his palms, they would have been in his wrists. And if you touched your wrists on the underside, Jesus is asking Thomas to touch him right there on this sensitive spot on the wrist, right there in that spot where you can feel your pulse, where you can feel the rhythm of your heart beating, where that large critical vein runs through your arm. And that's where Jesus asked Thomas to touch him. And then Jesus asked Thomas to touch his side. He puts his hand just under his ribs in the soft part of his belly. And there's this painting called The Incredulity of Thomas that shows that you know, Jesus wore a robe, right? They wore robes back then. Jesus had to open the fold of his robe and expose his chest so that Thomas could slide his hand inside of the garment and touch his wound. And the story doesn't tell us this, but I don't think you'd have to imagine very far to imagine Thomas's reaction to all this. Have you ever been so overloaded with worry so just buried by fear that when that fear is finally removed, you just, you just break down. I mean, maybe you throw your hands up in victory and you do a Superman pose, but man, I know for me, I felt the release of the removal of that kind of fear and I've, I've felt it in tears. And in this moment of struggle for Thomas, in this moment of struggle for Thomas, we have this beautiful story, this very intimate story, where Jesus lets him see, lets him feel where he's been hurt. And y'all, this, um, this moment inspires me. And this moment just rings true. It rings true because in a moment when Thomas is struggling, Jesus pulls him close and says, look, I've been through it too. I want you to feel my wounds. This is, this is where my strength comes from. This is where my power comes from. It is in the struggle. <laughs> it is in the struggle we find our strength. And this rings true because I know you feel that. I know you've experienced it. And y'all, we even see it in the world. We see it in nature. The way our muscles work, the way you know muscles grow when they're torn down, the way scar tissue grows back after a wound and is even stronger and tougher. Last year in the spring, Napa Valley, actually no, it was the fall, Napa Valley experienced these horrible wildfires. And I, I had a couple friends from work that were affected. They had to be evacuated from their homes. The fire, this fire was bad. It burned and it spread fast. It, it burned over 20,000 acres in just one day. And in all, 210,000 acres were scorched. And in the days after this fire it rained and it rained hard and it rained deep 
And y'all, this spring, Napa Valley is seeing an explosion of wildflowers. They're seeing blue bonnets like they've never seen before, like we have here in our most beautiful spots. I read where one of the coordinators from the parks department, she was explaining that because the fire burns away all the dead grass and all the taller grass that blocks sunlight and resources from seed, and also because the fire just burns all the nutrients into the soil, it renews the earth with nutrients, and it just creates this perfect condition this fertile ground for flowers to bloom. She said the beauty of the wildflowers growing out of the ashes is just, her words were off the charts. And her words were, it is good for the soul to see. We see it in nature and y'all, I see this pattern over and over and over in the lives of people that I know. I see it in your lives. I know a mother, I know a mother whose mother and father were at times cold and distant. She grew up questioning their love because they withheld affection. And this created in her wounds of insecurity and out of those wounds, she made a choice not to repeat the same mistake. And so instead, she hugged her children hard. She kissed their toes. She kissed their foreheads. She spent time cuddling with them at bedtime. Her children felt affection and felt love. I know a couple... I know a couple that counsels dozens of other couples on marriage. They run classes. They do counseling before weddings. And they have a thriving relationship. And they teach these classes and have helped so many through hard times. You know, marriages that are about to fall apart. But part of their story is an affair that nearly broke both of them. And it took years for them to recover from. You know, they're, they're probably still recovering. And they tell this story to other couples and they tell it openly and they tell it with vulnerability and they tell it with honesty. It is in their struggle that they gain credibility and the ability to help others. I know this motivational speaker, maybe you all have seen him on YouTube. He was born without arms and legs. I mean literally without any arms and no legs. His arms are missing from the shoulder and all he has for a leg or any kind of appendage at all is what he jokingly calls his chicken wing, which I guess you could call it a foot. It's sort of in that general area, but with it, with his chicken wing, he's learned to write and cook for himself and skateboard and surf and he stands in front of thousands and teaches about perseverance and joy and seeing in the blessings in your life and not giving up. And I've watched videos of people in tears embracing him. And even though he cannot embrace them back because he has no arms, I see them wrapped in inspiration and comfort. 
I met a woman today. I met a, I met a woman today who's new to Spicewood and she's here in Spicewood because she's gone through a divorce and she went to rehab and she said she got here six months ago, but she's now only two days still sober because she had a slip up. And what she said to me is, this is part of my story now and I know this is making me stronger. I know another man whose father left his mother when he was young and he can remember going to his father's house for visits where his father would drink and often pass out and his father would leave pornography laying all over the house and just an unkind, ugly man. And when he was older, his father when this man was older and established, his father stole and ruined this man's credit. I mean, he still struggles today with jobs and financing and opportunities because of the marks on his credit from his father. And y'all, with this one, I'm, I've watched this man tell this story and I can still see that he's healing. He tells the story and he looks away and he has a hard time making eye contact and he doesn't really want to talk about it. The wounds are still very sore. But even in the middle of the struggle, I know, I know there is strength in that wound. Watching him wrestle with it and to know the life that he has has already, for me, spread seeds of hope. And I could go on and on and on on and on and y'all these stories are your stories too I know we could take turns speaking into the microphone and here's what I'd bet you could reach back into your life and you could find a story of hurt you could tell me you could tell us a story of pain and you could tell us about how it created strength in your life you could tell me about the adjustments you made. You could testify that you don't even know who you'd be without those wounds. I don't, I don't know that we celebrate our wounds. Maybe that's not the word for it. I'm not grateful for my pains, but I'm also not afraid of them. And I know you aren't afraid of them either because I know they made you stronger. And I know each of us could look down at our life right now and there's struggle. There is struggle as present as the ground beneath your feet. And there is this hard thing that maybe we're still experiencing in the moment. And I know, I know that it is hard to see it. It's impossible to see it working out for good. But we have to believe that it will work out. Whether you doubt it or that you are blessed to see it now, that somehow, somehow this pain is making you stronger. And one day, I know, we will look back and we will run our fingers over those scars and we will see how it has shaped us. My friends, 
it's hard to tell a good Superman story because Superman is a God among men. It's easier, it's so much easier to tell a Batman story because he can be hurt just like us. Thanks for listening. Talk with you next time.